Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Morning. Afternoon. Evening, brunch time, lunch time, college football playoff time, maybe time. Gotta, gotta take care of some business first time, business or business time, whichever way you want to call it. Time. Either way, there's work to be done. Time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you as you're hearing this, or uh, as I'm saying this, I should say, from Fort Rucker Studio. By the time this is released. Uh, should be in Columbia, South Carolina, where the fifth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers are playing the South Carolina Gamecocks Williams Bryce Stadium there in downtown Columbia. Cola, it's uh, I guess uh, ESPN 7 p.m. Eastern with Herb Street and that crew Fowler on the call. Lots and lots of fun to be had, even though it will be chilly. And uh, Tennessee, South Carolina games in Columbia tend to be pretty interesting. So, uh, but instead of just he- hearing me talk for these this entire podcast or hearing Ben McKee or one of the rest of us yahoos let's go over and uh talk to a different professional let's go over to Columbia South Carolina where I will be again by the time I believe that you've heard this but uh regardless I know where uh I know where John Whittle is now he is uh, right here on zoom with us John what's up man I'm I'm happy to be here with you. You know, South Carolina basketball has a uh, a game here a little bit later down in Charleston, but I'd I'd rather be hanging out with you uh, right now, and so that's where I am. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good time. It's one of, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite guys that we do better know a foe with every year is John. And the backstory is that John and I uh, years and years ago uh, had like a horrible, hilarious miscommunication in the first time that we tried to like do like the swapping Q and A's thing. <laughs> And we got, we just got really mad at each other. And ever since then, we've been really, really good. It just, it, 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 it's, it's funny the ways that sometimes you meet people and then what your first impressions are, and then you get to know somebody and you're like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Good times, huh? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I, I do the best I can. Uh, I try to come up with a, uh, a good answer for the raid question each and every time. Uh, I, I certainly enjoy doing it, even though it's one of the, even though it's one of the more cons- time-consuming Q and As that 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 we do. It's certainly the most enjoyable. Yeah, it's it, it's it's laborious is a nice way to put it. It's uh, <laughs> it started years ago when uh, right now Tennessee pretty good at the football. Uh, used to be there for a little bit, not good at the football, and and so I tried to find different ways to have fun with the Q&A feature, ask different questions, random things, uh, just to kind of spice it up when you're in the middle of the doldrums of another mediocre football season. And and then Tennessee got better, so it's not as important now, but it's like people got used to it. So you kind of back yourself into a corner 
when you're like, ah, I got to do this. I think I got to do this. I got to keep doing this. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, regardless. Thank you to, to you and to everyone else who uh, does that. And when I and when I answer questions for other sites in the network, I try my best to give long answers, even if there's not many questions, because I try to give the effort in in kind that was given to me. So regardless, thank you, John. And I know that people uh, who have not been able to read it yet can go to the site uh, where it'll definitely be up by then. It'll be up hopefully Thursday night when I'll get that thing formatted with all the photos on it and talk about South Carolina and all that. But now we've got you on the podcast, so I can I can ask you now in in this format, in the audio format, how are things right now in Columbia. And I ask that because uh, you never want to judge everything by like the people who are on message boards, right? Like that they tend to be the more, the most passionate fans, the most interested fans. And so when things get bad, they are angrier maybe than the average fan. And, and so, cause they're more invested emotionally, financially, et cetera. But reading y'all's board the past week or so has been just, it's a tough, it's a tough read, man. The, 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 the Gamecocks seem down right now. <laughs> yes, uh, you you are definitely correct in, in all of that, and it's uh, it's been yucky o- over there for for uh, you know last last few weeks specifically. You know there was there, there's been a lot of ugly offense around here for the last couple of years, and and there was a lot of the, the expectations changed coming into this season with adding in Spencer Rattler and several other guys from the transfer portal, having an offensive line coming back that every player has, has uh, started in different seasons over the course of their career, veteran offensive line. It's, it's been ugly. And, you know, South Carolina started out the year fairly fairly poorly, um, losing, losing in a big way to Arkansas and Georgia. Uh, things got a little bit better in the middle of the season, won some games, went on a little four-game winning streak, and, you know, start feeling good. And then, you know, still offense wasn't pretty, but but we're winning games. And then Missouri comes to town and and uh and beats South Carolina and these last three weeks just just haven't been been all that great for the Gamecocks and, and frustration has certainly reached a fever pitch. Yeah, and I wonder because again, I haven't seen all sixty minutes of that of that South Carolina Florida game yet. I try to watch as much as I can on a week-to-week basis, especially if Tennessee's playing somebody or, or if there's other big games in the league. And um, what to me seemed really bad about that, there a lot of things were bad about that South Carolina-Florida game, but anytime a team rushes for 374 yards against you, you've had officially a bad day. And I know that at some point when an offense is struggling and struggling and struggling, sometimes the defense just eventually loses the will to fight just a little bit. And in this league, all it takes is a little bit. And all of a sudden you're, you're getting run for six, seven, eight yards of play. Cause that's just that that's the level of play in this league. And I'm sure you obviously watched all that game. How, how did Florida do that? Did, did, did Carolina quit for a while or did it just, was it just one of those days? Well, it was almost 300 yards in the first half. Yeah. So that it was they they I don't think they quit. I think it was just one of those days and add add that into the fact that they're just not very good uh up front. Um just defensive line play, linebacker play has been really poor throughout most of the season. Uh they they're not they they haven't been a physical group. They haven't tackled as well for a lot of this year as, as they did last year. Um, you know, they, they, they're just, they're just not, 
not good enough up there. And Florida's Florida's got one of the best rushing offenses in the country. Mm-hmm. So it does. You add all that together, and and um, it just it, it didn't work out. They didn't they didn't get off the field on third down early in the game. I mean, it was it was. 21 to nothing just like that and and it was uh you know three drive three opening drive touchdowns um first one was was long and i think 15 plays maybe 75 yards and then the next two were were pretty quick and it it just really poor start for the gamecocks defensively they they played a lot better in the second half but you know when the game's out of reach it's a lot easier to to play a little bit better yeah i'm wondering if you could kind of take us back to you know, going into the season, because there were definitely, you know, different views from different people on what South Carolina, what it did last season, what was expected of it this season. And I don't think I was on either poll. I was kind of in the middle that I I wanted to to give credit to them for finishing the way that they did. But I think there also had to be some sort of some sort of understanding that they played some brand names who who were kind of going through some stuff and they were able to kind of get those wins nothing easy about them nothing easy in this league but maybe not playing those opponents at their best and I know that that Shane Beamer is an excitable guy he can get people excited um he's one of those coaches who some people either you either get it or you don't and if you if you like that kind of guy man, you love that dude. And if you don't, man, that dude annoys you. And there's no – that's just who he is. And as long as he gets players who can buy into that, I don't think it it, it really hurts them at all. It helps them. But with the that mentality, you, you get Spencer Rattler out of the portal, and, and some people were really high on him, others not as high. But what were, in general, what was the vibe like toward the end of last season, through the offseason, and heading into this year? What was – uh, what was it? Because because usually you only get disappointed if you were expecting good things, and I think people were expecting good things. But what was the general vibe? Yeah, I mean, I encouraged for the most part. You know, there there were a lot of folks who were really concerned about South Carolina offensively after last season, and and I get that. I mean, Marcus Satterfield, South Carolina's offensive coordinator, doesn't have a didn't have coming into his his tenure here at South Carolina or a particularly good track record. I mean, it's not like you can point to this year and that year and the other year and say he, he did really great things at all of these stops. Like you, you can't. And, you know, so there, there were, there were plenty of folks out there who were, who were really down on that hire to begin with. And last year was, was very uninspiring offensively for, for the most part, but you look at South Carolina's skill level, uh, last season talent level and the fact that you know they had a, a slew of injuries at quarterback yep. played four different guys over the course of the season all four of those guys won games by the way um and and uh you know but you but you did okay you no I don't think hardly anybody projected South Carolina to go to a bowl game last year I think the the Las Vegas line to uh over under for for win prediction, I think was three and a half, maybe. Yeah. And you end up winning six games. And and like you said, you you beat some brand name schools in Auburn and Florida uh, late in the year. I mean, killed Florida yep. at, at Williams Bryce. And and then you have a really good showing in the bowl game against North Carolina, who was a, a preseason top ten team last year. I mean, we know what we what they ended up as, but you know, it was it was a lot of positivity coming out of last season. And then, you know, regardless of of what 
website you look at, you, you've got a transfer portal class that's considered one of the top five yep. best in the country. And, and, you know, that builds, builds a little bit more hope because not only are you bringing in, you know, good players, you're bringing in players who have, who have done some really good things at, at other schools. So, uh, I mean, it was, it, it, there was a lot of optimism coming into the season, a lot of hope that not only would, would South Carolina be better uh, record-wise, but but better offensively. And, you know, it's been a long time uh, since South Carolina has been really good offensively. Like, And when I say really good, I don't mean like top two or three or four in the SEC. Like I'm talking about top half of the SEC. Like not since 2014 there's uh yeah 2014 has South Carolina been in the the top half of the league and in, in scoring and you know so it's it's been a lot of years in a row where where this this South Carolina fan base has watched a lot of bad offenses so um that and they they've been pretty poor offensively in basketball and baseball too so it's been a lot of bad offenses uh, around here for a while and and it's gotten people discouraged but you know, you you bring in the talent that you think you have, and and uh, it, it's that's that's what's made this season, I think, so disappointing is is the fact that you feel like you've got offensive talent. Your defense has done okay at times. Your special teams is best in the country. You feel like you're missing opportunities. Yeah, and and as someone who has covered an athletic department, who now seems to have like top ten teams across the board, but 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 went through a time where. It was. It felt like it just couldn't be good at anything. It was just bad at everything, and 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 what that does to a town like that. You know, Columbia is not quite as big as Knoxville, but it's a pretty good sized area. It's almost the same size. It's like a metro area of a million people here in Knoxville, and 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 when when things are going bad with the Vols, like it is like a depressant for the whole town. Like it just sucks. It kind of just sucks. Uh, everybody around town just is a little chippier, a little bit moodier. It's just not quite the same. Whereas now, you know, people are feeling feeling good. So I know, I know very much what that feeling is like when you talk about the frustration going on with them, but you talked about offensively in several programs, but specifically with football offensively with, with, with Satterfield, I don't know the last time that I've seen a coordinator who had like a lower approval rating than, than Satterfield does. I mean, I, I was there toward the end of the Randy Sanders era at Tennessee. Uh, I was there for the Dave Clawson experiment that didn't work. Maybe in hindsight, they should have listened to him, but they, you know, I've been there when, when, when a coordinator is just really not liked at all. What, what is it? Why is Satterfield? If, 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 if the results aren't there, and the fan approval rating is what it is, and the numbers are where they are. I have a really simple but really difficult question to ask. Why is he still there? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a really good question, and there are there's there's not a really good answer. I, I don't think you know. I, I I feel like Shane wants to wait and, and make a move at, after the season, like like I kind of touched yeah. on earlier. You know, I, I understand why he was brought back after, after last season. I mean, last, last season, you know, certainly wasn't wasn't any good o- offensively. Like South Carolina scored scored uh, twenty three points a game, thirteenth in the league, only ahead of Vanderbilt uh, last year in, in scoring. You know, twenty one points a game in conference play. Like it, it was it was bad last year, but you know, South Carolina's offensive talent wasn't any good either, and. You know, it's it's a com- complex system, complicated system that they're trying to run over there. You know, Marcus Satterfield, I don't know why, considers himself a, 
you know, a pro style or like a, a, a pro kind of offense. And, you know, he spent 11 months, 11 months in professional football as an assistant offensive line coach. Like, bro, you're not a, a, a an NFL coach. You're, you're, you're just not, but that's what he's tried to bring in here. It hasn't worked, but you know, he, he was given another season because of the fact that, you know, you had one good quarterback last year, right. And he broke yeah. his foot yep. and, he was never the same kind of guy last season because he was trying to play on a broken foot. That's not going to work. A mobile quarterback trying to play on a broken foot, not going to work. They activated this graduate assistant who had been out of football for six months and, and Zeb Nolan who went out there and, and won a couple of games. And, you know, now they have, uh, and they had a, 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 a junior or not a junior college transfer, a, a, a FCS transfer and Jason Brown, who went out there and and won a couple of games, but you know still wasn't very good. He transferred to Virginia Tech when when Spencer Rattler came in, and he's only played in three games for Virginia Tech. Who's sitting there at two and eight? So, you know, they're like that. That was the talent level at quarterback last year. So, you know, they they felt like giving him another opportunity with some offensive skill would work and be worthwhile. But you know, <laughs> in the bye week this year, like the team had won, I, I think it was three straight games that that they had won uh right right before the bye and the offense was looking a tick better even though it was against bad opponents uh didn't make a move then and I think they're just waiting to make a move now but he's been Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer are really close Marcus yeah. was in Shane's wedding and and uh you know maybe that plays into it a little bit but there are a lot of coaches out there who who don't want to make moves like that in season and and I I think it'll come Fairly shortly after the Clemson game, and the last the last question I got before we go to break, uh, John, is another really really fun one that I'm sure you'll enjoy answering. But w- when I look at Rattler, like I, I I was never a guy who thought that he was like a uh, just by himself like a program saver or transformer or someone who would come in and just you know compete for a Heisman. Like I, I needed to see more before I would go that far. But you know I would have said the same thing about Hendon Hooker and look what he's done at Tennessee. I mean you never really know. Um, you can be wrong. It, it happens quite a bit uh, with with all of us in this business. But when I look at Rattler this season, even though I was never totally on board with him being like a guy who had as much hype as some people gave him, I did not think he would have more interceptions and touchdown passes here in late November. How, how is that on him? Is that the people around him? Is that the system not fitting him? Is that him just not not playing the way he needs to? What what's led what's led to that? I, I don't think it's on the people around him. I, I think it's I think it's him, and I, I think it's the the offensive coordinator and, and system. And you know how how much of that percentage of blame you want to put on who is, you know, I I, I don't know what that answer is, but I, it's on those two guys. Like the offensive line hasn't been great. I mean, but they they haven't been awful either. They they've been okay. There have been some games that have been a real challenge, but hey, welcome to SEC football. That's that's the way it is. Um, the skill skill talent has been fine. Running backs, wide receivers have been fine. Tight ends have been fine. They it's not the people around them. Spencer for me has has had several issues. He he hasn't done a great job of stepping up in the pocket and making a throw. And he's his. Uh, I mean, one thing I thought that was really good about him in the past was that he moved and threw the football well on the move, but he hasn't done that this year. He hasn't, when he, when he's gotten out of the pocket, when, when he's, when he's, he's drifted one way or the other, he hasn't made the same kind of plays that he he has in years past. So I, I, 
that's been disappointing. He also hasn't hasn't like given his receivers an opportunity to make catches uh, a lot of times. Like he he won't he he's thrown a lot of interceptions, but they've been bad interceptions. Like he's he's thrown the ball into double and triple coverage, but you know there have been times where you've got a one on one matchup and he just hasn't given his his guy a, an opportunity to make a play. Uh, he hasn't hardly thrown the ball over the field on crossing over the middle of the field on crossing routes at all. So it's basically you're you're just using using uh, you, using hash marks towards the sidelines. Uh, is it, is is he's had a disappointing season for me, uh, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is, regardless of of the plays that are called, regardless of offensive structure. But you know all of that plays into it a little bit too. So. Um, you know, how, how much blame you want to assign to each party is, is you know, I, I think certainly a, a question um, that I don't have a great answer to. But I, I think those are the, the two issues versus the people around him. Well, I can tell you this before we go to break. Uh, if he can get time, Tennessee's pass rush is pretty good. Um, but if he can keep like the Byron Youngs and the Tyler Barons and the Jeremy Banks is off of his his backside, um, Tennessee secondary usually gives you opportunities to make plays. That's not the best part of of the Tennessee football team. So so maybe this is a, a game where if he can not get knocked out of the game because Tennessee is going to put a lick on him throughout the game. Uh, they they do that every week, but. You know, if you can, they they blitz a lot and they give you opportunities one on one. And if you can make plays against these guys, you can put points on the board. So, so we will see lots more to talk about. Uh, and by the way, not all of it is going to be down on South Carolina because I think there are some things about this team that are pretty solid. I think there's some excitement that they should have about playing this game at home at night. Um, this this series has typically been tough for Tennessee in that way, tough games. So there's lots more to discuss, and not all of it will be me asking John Whittle questions that he probably really does not enjoy answering. But regardless, uh, we're going to step away for just a just a second. We're a little bit overdue for a break. We're step away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you right now from Fort Rucker Studio. As this is uh, released, I, I should be in Columbia, South Carolina, where, of course, uh, our guest for this podcast is now. That's uh, John Whittle, who does a tremendous job covering South Carolina, all things South Carolina, uh, for the Big Spur. Those guys have a really good site. they got a big staff. They do a lot of good work, and uh, just it's a good site. If you're a South Carolina fan, you should be on that site, no question about it. we got a lot more to discuss about this game coming up Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, but before we do that, just a quick suggestion or quick request from our end, guys. If you could take about a minute out of your day, let's say 60 seconds, 75 seconds, 90 seconds, and go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, we really would appreciate that. If you're just listening on the website right there at GoVols247.com, that's fine. Like Ron Swanson with alcohol, there's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very few complaints from our end. You never want to say no complaints because life is life. Um, but very few complaints from our end. However, uh, since we do this for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and rate and review and subscribe. And also, good old-fashioned, tell your friends, right? Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see on the golf course if you're braving the temperatures right now to go play golf. Tell people you see out walking your dog or at the dog park. Tell people you see around town if you're a hippie playing Frisbee golf. Go, go, go tell people there. If Or if you're just walking around and you see somebody wearing orange, be like, hey, that looks like Tennessee Orange. I think you're a Tennessee fan. Um, why don't you listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? That, that, that person could be your new best friend. That could be your new spouse. That could be like the owner of a huge company who gives you a job, and then within a year, you're like a millionaire. So many things in your life are possible if you just go talk to people and tell them to listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, where we do believe in karma. And before you laugh at that, remember that there have now been three people Three people who have told me stories of randomly, one was the mailman, another two were just people around town where they just saw somebody wearing orange and they told them about the podcast. So if you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. John, back to business here. Tennessee, South Carolina. This is a game I don't think Tennessee has played a night game on the road as... Uh, in league play this season. And, and, and I think uh, if, if you look at the way Tennessee had some communication issues at Georgia, that should be something that's a little alarming to Tennessee fans. And I know Athens that night was every bit as loud or almost as loud certainly as it was in Neyland for the Tennessee-Alabama game, and it makes life hard for the opponent. That just is what it is. But Tennessee's offensive line is really good and really experienced, and it had seven false starts in that game, and that should not have happened. And right now – in this game, Williams-Brice is a good, tough place to go play football. They don't always get up for every game, but for big games, they certainly get up. I imagine that even though they're struggling right now, this is a top-five opponent coming to town. They have a chance to take a rival season and squat and uh, defecate all over it, and I think they would really like the opportunity to do that, especially against an SEC East rival. John, what, what kind of atmosphere are you expecting for this game, and how much does South Carolina need that kind of atmosphere to make this a game? Uh, needs it incredibly, obviously. And, you know, they've, this, this crowd is, has been really helpful o- over the course of the season. You mentioned how 
you know, Tennessee's a, a veteran offensive line. Texas A&M brought in a, a very young offensive line, very youthful, and and they had eight false starts on, on the night. So, I mean, I don't expect Tennessee to have that kind of problem. I think the fact that uh, Georgia's pretty good probably had something to, yeah, to do with that may as have. well. Yeah, so I, you know, when when you're facing the Georgia pass rushers, that's that's very different than than South Carolina's pass rush game, and uh, you know, South Carolina is 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 noted has has been very poor up front and the front front seven in general. So, you know, I, I don't anticipate them uh, having that that kind of issue, but I do think the crowd is is certainly uh, going to be into it and very involved early. You know they they like to uh, get get a they they like to feel pretty good uh, coming into the stadium. They they like to get out there at the tailgate. They're going to need to. It's going to be cold as hell. Yeah, have have a few adult beverages and and uh, you know get good and liquored up before coming in. And you know I imagine that the uh, the the crowd is going to be great. It's it's a sellout again. Every every game that's been played on a Saturday has been a sellout this year for for South Carolina. They had to move a. Uh, game to to a Thursday night against South Carolina State earlier this year, uh, but you know that ended up ended up not being a sellout. But anyway, it, it's been it's been great crowds all year. Uh, the they they brought in a new sound. They have a new sound system this year. They have new lights that you know everybody has now that that uh, really en- enhance the atmosphere a little bit. The it, those those lights start going crazy when sandstorm starts blasting, and you know it's 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 been a, a it's been a cool environment all, all year this year. So, uh, you know, I I expect them to be be there loud and for for Senior Day, last home game of the year, and I, I do expect a, a good crowd, good audience, regardless of of what's been going on this so far this this year. Yeah, and and I imagine and, and feel free to tell me that if you don't agree with this because I I, I I don't make it a requirement in life or in business that anyone agree with me ever like if please please speak up if you disagree I know you will if you do disagree but I think for for me as much as any game Tennessee has played all season the first like five or ten minutes of this game are as important as any game they're going to play all season because South Carolina is is a is a loud, tough place to play. I know there's going to be a lot of orange in that stadium that night because Tennessee fans get in everywhere. They just find a way to get in everywhere. But they're not going to be more Tennessee fans than South Carolina fans. It's going to be a hostile environment. You're going to have Sandstorm. You're going to have 2001. You're going to have all the light shows. You're going to have all that stuff. Um, but South Carolina also kind of got one put on them last week and, and has not has not had a good few weeks. And you always wonder about a team's morale on that point. And if Tennessee does one of those avalanche starts where it's 14 nothing or 21-3 within like eight minutes, I think South Carolina could be in real trouble. However, if South Carolina uses that momentum from the crowd, gets off to a good start, makes a you know big trick play or gets a special teams play, which obviously is possible with Beamer Ball, and they kind of get get a lead on Tennessee, or they, I think the complexion of the game changes in a hurry, and that becomes a fight for Tennessee. Is that is, is, am I way off base there? I just think the first five or ten minutes of this game are huge. No, I don't. I don't think you're off base in in that point. You know, I I think it's going to be hard for South Carolina to make it a sixty minute fight, uh, regardless of of the start for these these teams. I, I don't think South Carolina can can do enough offensively to be able to a keep up with Tennessee but b keep keep Tennessee's offense on the sidelines so i i don't i don't really anticipate a a, a four quarter game this weekend but i i do think that 
South Carolina, if they get off to a decent start, can make it interesting for for a little while. And you know, may, maybe something happens, may late in the game, and and, and things are close. But uh, you know, South Carolina has has been a really poor starting team off really on both sides of the ball for for both years under under Shane Beamer. Like you look at some of these scores uh, last year and this year and. You know, you they get down really quick, and you know they they've had a couple of games where where they got off to a cracking start. You know, Kentucky earlier this mm-hmm, year, yep. and uh, got <laughs> jumped out to a big lead, and you know ended up hanging on. It wasn't real pretty, uh, winning twenty four to fourteen at it, it up at Kentucky, but you know that that getting off to a great start there helped them. Getting off to a great start against Texas A and M was was huge, uh, but they, they're they a slow-starting team in general. And like you said, Tennessee can can uh, overwhelm you really quickly, which is what happened last year in this game. And it's uh, it, it's I, – I do think it's big. I don't think it's going to I, – I don't, I don't see a path for South Carolina to win this game uh, particularly. Uh, so I, I don't know that, that – uh, is is going to be something that Tennessee can't overcome if it's if it's a poor start for the Vols. Do, do you think that the South Carolina has to try to shrink this game? I know that some people do that against Tennessee. Some people do whatever they can to kind of you know chew up as much clock as they can offensively, try to keep the offense off the field. Whereas some people say, "Screw it, we're going to need points. Let's go air it out. We can we have a chance against this secondary." So I, I, I mean, I, I imagine that Shane Beamer is not sitting there with a PowerPoint presentation showing everyone his plans for this week. But I, I gotta imagine that it, that it probably features them trying to shrink the game a little bit. But also, you, you know, you don't have a lot to lose in terms of throwing out some trick plays, throwing out some crazy stuff because if it doesn't work, oh well, right? Right, and that that's a great question. I don't know how they're going to go about it because it's hard to shrink a game if you can't run the football. Yeah. And and South Carolina has not been able to run the football here of late because their two top running backs are, are both hurt. And I don't know that either one of them are going to be back this weekend. And when, I mean, they, they've been lining up Jaheim Bell in the backfield yep. each of the last God, two what weeks. A great and player. What a great player he is. <laughs> but he's a tight end. He, he he's a great tight end. He's and he can he can provide a little change up for you, provide you a different look back there at running back, but to be a a 15 carry a game running back, that's that's not who he is and what he does well and you're taking away opportunities for him to do something that he does well, but when you when you put him in the backfield and and hand him hand him the football and you know tell him tell him to run uh you know between the tackles. So you know, I if, if South Carolina can't run the football, which we haven't really seen much of that this year, is, is going to be really hard to shrink the game. They've they've looked okay passing the football from time to time, so you know maybe that is the way they do go, and and uh, and, and just trying to keep up offensively. But I mean, they didn't score an offensive touchdown against Florida. Florida was giving up thirty points a game in league play, like. And South Carolina goes down there, and, and the only touchdown they score is on a on a fake punt, forty eight yard pass. I, I just, I, I just don't see how, I, I just don't see how it, it, it adds up to being able to, for for South Carolina to be able to to uh, you know keep up offensively. I think you have to try to shrink the game somehow, but. You know, it's it's a great question that that I don't have the answer to. Yeah, maybe controlled passing game, a little West Coast stuff. Maybe 
just trying to, you know, move the pocket a little bit, see if you can get Radler to run the ball a little bit more like he used to early in his career at times. I don't know that there's a great answer, but there there might be answers out there. But there's a few more things we, we got to discuss before we get out of here, John. One of them, of course, is, is Jalen Hyatt. I know that uh, I, I got a good kick out of Beamer's answer. I know a lot of Tennessee fans tend to roll their eyes whenever uh, Shane Beamer talks. It's just kind of, you know, like I said earlier, Beamer's the guy that if you get it, you, you do, and if you don't, you don't. But I, I think he he could be universally praised for a hilarious answer when asked about Jalen Hyatt this week when he reminded everybody, hey, yeah, I, I wasn't the one who didn't recruit him. Uh, I, I, that wasn't me. That was the old guys. That that you know, I was at Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. We we didn't recruit him to Oklahoma. So maybe if Tennessee plays USC, you know, be upset at them when they play them. I mean, he kind of had a funny answer about it, but it is odd to me still to this day that that Jalen Hyatt, um, as good as he is, and and I, I don't think anybody expected this kind of season from him, but um, yeah, people expected a him to have a big year because the slot receiver in Tennessee's offense and a hypo offense is going to get yards. It's just, it's a really big position in, in what they do and um, what he's done. Uh, I just imagine if I'm a South Carolina fan, that would just, that would never stop being upsetting to me. Cause it's like, I think about, you know, Randall Cobb when he played his high school football, like 10 minutes from where I am right now down at Alcoa high school and Tennessee offered him, but offered him late. And can he had already promised he would go to Kentucky. He was a kid of his word, a man of his word. He goes to Kentucky, and it irritated Tennessee fans quite a bit. And, and I, I can't help but wonder. I know Byron Young's a South Carolina guy too. I know Tennessee's got a bunch of pretty good players who are from that state right now still. But hi, it's got to be the one that just still sticks in the craw, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, it, it was it was kind of mind boggling at the time that. South Carolina didn't offer him, you know, it, it, at that point people were starting to, to turn on, on Will Muschamp and certainly Brian McClendon. And, and that was a source of frustration. And, you know, they always talked about how they wanted to be great in state and, you know, it just, they, they got it wrong. They, they got it really wrong. Yeah. I mean, they, they thought that uh, the kid was too small, too skinny and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't be productive in the sec. And, you know, and it was at a time when the conversation centered so much around lack of speed and, and agility and what what have you at, at the wide receiver position. It's like you got this dude right in your backyard who's making a bunch of plays at, at one of the best high schools in in the in the region. Like, take him, give him a shot, and and it it, it didn't work. It, it didn't it it didn't. I, I don't know why there was such disconnect there, but it, it they they just never showed real interest. And you know, not not only did he get snubbed, like you know, they were they they were recruiting his little brother, and you know, have have really backed off of his little brother now too. And I'm I'm sure that doesn't sit well with with the Hyatt family. But but man, it's uh is what a, what a huge miss, what a huge recruiting error error. Um, you know, and I, that's not to say that. Uh, Jalen would have definitely come to South Carolina. I don't, I don't know that for sure either. But to to not recruit him, not offer him, uh, it it was it was really poorly done by by South Carolina. And I I certainly understand why he's going to hold it against the school and not 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 the uh, not the coaches. Yeah, because because it's weird that that Tennessee's I would say Tennessee's best player players in all three phases of the game 
are South Carolina natives because Byron Young's from Georgetown, South Carolina. And I know he's got an interesting story, so I don't think you can hold that against anyone. I mean, he, he just has a fascinating journey that, that you probably can't blame South Carolina for. And then Paxton Brooks, uh, the great punter Tennessee has, is also from, from Columbia right there. So um, it's just kind of interesting how things work that way. But I think I, I've already asked you this a, a little bit, John, but just a couple more things. Is this team right now – to the best that you can tell. And I, and I think maybe the second half against Florida showed that it is still playing hard, but you see some, some, some of these things you see from kids these days, right? Liking things on social media that other people have said about, they should be playing more and they should be getting the ball more. And, you know, they should be doing all these things. And, you know, anytime you have pretty good expectations for a season and they're not met, things get kind of frustrating for, for a lot of people. And I've seen locker rooms kind of galvanize around each other, and then I've also seen them sort of split apart at the seams. How are things going inside that program right now? Are those guys still kind of singing off the same hymn sheet a little bit, or or are they having some issues, do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think they're okay. They're, they're okay, you know, when – it's it's frustrating for everybody when you don't feel like you can keep up offensively. You know, it's it's frustrating for the guys on offense who think they should be getting the ball more. Or we just do this better. Or, uh, you know, it's 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 tough for those guys. It's tough for the defense because you know if if you give up points, you know you you aren't going to win the game. And guys guys uh, who aren't playing are, are certainly feeling like they can make a difference in in different things, but. I, I think overall, I, I think they still believe in each other and still believe in, you know, what what the program is is all about and the direction that they're going. But I, I do sense, especially on the offensive side of the football, that that uh, that that there's some issues over there and that it's not perfect. I mean, you look at and and it's and I think it's filtered over to the to the defense a little bit too. Like you you're seeing penalties, you're seeing. You're seeing missed tackles. You're seeing guys who just aren't playing as sharp and as clean as as maybe they once were. And I, I think that's a sign of 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 guys who I don't want to say checking out. That's that's way too too strong. But maybe maybe losing focus a, a little bit more than 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 what they should. So I I don't think that uh, I don't think the team's given up. I don't think they've turned on each other. Uh, but they're they're certainly not playing the is the the quality of football that they were at one point. Yeah, I think I think the way you're saying that is is right because it's it's a tough way to say it, but in, in this league, um, especially, but but really in college sports in general at an, at an SEC level, it just takes like the slightest bit of frustration or the slightest bit. Like if your if your effort goes down even to like ninety percent, it can be shocking the the level of of difference that that can make. Like I go back to look at the the the, the wet baby turd Tennessee basketball produced against Colorado on Sunday. Uh, Colorado is a team Tennessee Tennessee should be beating by thirty points at least. And um, but they they just weren't focused. They just weren't kind of where they need to be, and they lost the game. That that's all it takes is just the slightest little bit, and it can cause some some problems. And um, but John, before you tell us, uh, before we get out of here, by me asking you uh, to tell us all how we can get your information, uh, you've already sort of hinted this hinted at this a little bit when you said you don't think South Carolina had a path in this game. How do you see this game unfolding? Like, what do you think is like a best case scenario for South Carolina, and then what's like a, a realistic what you're predicting kind of thing? I mean, I, I think best case scenario for South Carolina is to 
to to get the football and have a drive to go score and then see where things go from there. I mean, I I think that South Carolina really really needs to to score first in this one and and get off to a to a decent start and 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 have have uh I I don't know, have have things go right early on and and maybe build a little bit of confidence and momentum and you know, see how see how things play out. I mean, I don't anticipate Tennessee making a lot of mistakes. They're not a highly penalized team. They don't turn the ball over a ton, so it's not like they're that Tennessee's gonna gonna give South Carolina the game and and keep them in all by themselves. South Carolina's gonna have to do something something right, but hope that they can force Tennessee into doing something wrong. You know, South Carolina's one of the best teams in in the league and in, in intercepting passes, so. You know, may, maybe something like that happens. I, I do feel like South Carolina's secondary, if if they play competently up front, can I'm not going to say stop Tennessee's passing offense, but I think they can hang hang with them a little bit. And I, but I don't think that South Carolina is good enough in in the front seven to to be able to to influence you know Hooker too much and 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 cause too many problems in that pass game. So. You know, I, I think that's probably the best way to, to have it go. But the way the way Tennessee rolls, especially early in games offensively, combined with the way that South Carolina's defense typically plays early in games defensively is not good because they're going to end up being behind pretty quickly. I, I feel like, you know, Tennessee and it, it's, it's hard for defenses – to replicate, and this is not breaking football news, but it's hard for defenses to to know what to 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 experience what teams like Tennessee yeah. and Ole Miss do on offense early in games, and it takes them a little bit to settle in. Like Tennessee's scoring numbers in the first quarter, and even even the second quarter are just crazy, mind-bogglingly good. So I, I just I, I just don't see South Carolina getting off to a good start. I think Tennessee will will get up early and 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 really really score a lot. And I with Tennessee being in that number five spot in the playoffs, I, I think they're going to certainly try to keep pouring it on for four quarters. And can't blame anybody for trying to run up the score over there either. Yeah, well, I'll say this too: that thing cuts both ways because if if South Carolina gets off to a good start. The, the weight, uh, the, the burden and the pressure, of, uh, you know, of expectations and, and things that, you know, that that can weigh on you, too. So if that gets going the other way, you know, I think Tennessee has the medal to handle that, but I don't – you never really know. So, I mean, I think if South Carolina forces the issue a little bit, gets a couple breaks early – at that point, maybe maybe the pressure of what Tennessee's playing for, cold weather at night on the road, crowd getting in your face, maybe 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 if if things go a certain way, it, it could be a, a tough night. But but we'll see. We we don't know. Certainly, that's why that's why they show up and play the games, and that's why we go cover the games because we never actually really know what's going to happen. I, I never thought I'd see Tennessee really beat Alabama again, no matter what, <laughs> or at least for a while, and it happened. I never thought Tennessee, when Josh Heupel got there, uh, would be where they are now. I don't know who in their right mind could have predicted that, but there they are, so I, I guess we, we go wait and see. Um, but, John, before we let you get out of here, tell us tell us how we can get a hold of your stuff how we can read your stuff, stuff on the site, stuff on the socials, all that good stuff, because I, I think people would would like what they read from you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, 24-7 sports, the bigspur.com uh, is, 
is uh, is where everything's housed over there. I, I don't I don't do a podcast. I'm not nearly as important as you. Nobody would 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 listen to what I have to say for, <laughs> oh, for an hour, a couple of times a week. But but no. But I you know I, we we've got a great staff over there as you mentioned earlier. I've got some football stuff up. I got some basketball stuff up. I've got some baseball stuff up because you know what South Carolina's on its way to a six and six season, and we've got to cover more than just a, a six and six team. But uh, you know we're uh, we follow you can follow me on 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 Twitter as well, John M Whittle. Uh, I, I, I've tried to be entertaining there before. Uh, sometimes I am. I'm usually not. So I usually <laughs> just humor myself. Uh, but but no, I, I appreciate you having me on and, and certainly uh, respect the work that that you guys do up there. And uh, and we can all agree that Mike Wilson sucks also. just You know, quick, quick Mike Wilson story. This guy, he, he, he was on the South Carolina beat, as probably most of your listeners know. That dude yeah. booked a flight to cover the game in Florida, flew from Columbia to Jacksonville, uh, to to drive from Jacksonville to Gainesville to cover the game, so it's it's about a about a three hour drive from Columbia <laughs> to Jacksonville, and then you know another hour and a half from from Jacksonville down to Gainesville. So you know I'm not sure what that dude was thinking. We we know he's from from Michigan and doesn't really have a whole lot of sense. Um, but you know that that guy. Uh, and before that, that, he, that be, before that, he was from New Zealand, so he's like a metric system guy. Maybe maybe there's a problem in translation. I don't know. <laughs> Could be, but you know that's that's one thing that I will never forget about old Mike is is that uh, he he booked a, he probably waited waited in the airport longer than the flight actually took, and he could <laughs> have he could have already been down in Gainesville, but. But you know, he he was certainly an entertaining guy around here. He's he's one of those guys who kind of makes you be his friend. Oh yeah, so. yeah. Make make you will love me. Damn it, you will love me. I will make you love me. Yeah, yeah. He's he he. We we everyone loves him, even though everyone also knows he sucks. That is the that 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 would be his the title of his memoirs would be everyone loves me, even though everyone knows I suck. The Mike Wilson story. <laughs> That that's what it would be, John. Thank you so much for your time today, man. You've been really gracious with it, and uh, uh, people can go to thebigspar.com and get all that information. Then go to twitter.com/slash John M Whittle, and uh, I am looking forward to to catching up with you this weekend, my man. Absolutely, go Gunners! Gunners for life! First place, Premier League. There's that button, and now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that 
at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.